Hello and welcome to Audible River. I'm Alan Rice, and I'm very happy to have with me Deborah Ingerson, who is a producer editor for KCBS Radio in San Francisco, California, and is a longtime dedicated follower of the Baha'i Faith. Hello, Deborah. It's great to have you here today. Hi, Alan. It's a treat to speak with you. Thank you so much. Well, I'd just like to jump right in and ask you, what would you tell me off the top of your head about the Baha'i faith? Uh, so, of course, that's obviously a vast subject, yes. but the, the, the Baha'i faith is a worldwide religion uh, all over the world. It started in Persia, which is now like Iran in the Middle East, uh, in 1844, and the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith is Baha'u'llah. I think the, the main concepts around the Baha'i faith, if anyone forgets anything else, is unity. Unity and diversity, oneness, oneness of mankind. There is only one God. All mankind is one. And all religion is one. All religion, all the major world religions have all come from God. And and I can explain that further also, but that is a major principle of the Baha'i faith. And there are other principles as well. So when this was, uh, what did you say, 1840 something? 1844. 1844. This would have been a, a revolutionary concept in that time, would it not? Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of Baha'i principles, such as the equality of men and women, which is not astounding today, but in 1844 was astounding. The elimination of all forms of racial prejudice was something that, even in this country, was something that was rocking this country in 1844. These were revolutionary ideas uh, at the time. But I believe that mankind, and Baha'is believe that mankind is evolving, and we are evolving towards these principles that Baha'u'llah brought in his teachings. And whether people are Baha'is or not, people's inner soul is guiding them to these principles. These are the right, the right way to go. So, so can you tell me a little bit more about Baha'u'llah? Did I say that correctly? Yes, Baha'u'llah. Uh, uh, Baha'u'llah is Arabic, uh, and it means uh, Baha is glory, and Allah is of God. So glory of God. His name means Baha'u'llah. Baha'u'llah is glory of God. Uh, Baha'u'llah was uh, preceded. He announced who he was in 1863, and he announced that he was the one foretold by all the messengers of the past. And I'm talking uh, Jesus foretold that he was going to come again. Muhammad, the twelfth Imam, is was predicted to come again. The fifth Buddha, the uh, Moses, they all re predicted a return. And Baha'u'llah claims to be the one prophesized by all the religions of the past. And he made that announcement in 1863. He was preceded by another uh, messenger of God, who we call the Bab. B-A-B, that's Arabic for the gate. And the Bab did have his own religion, but his religion was very short-lived, only 19 years. But its whole purpose was to prepare people for the advent of the coming of Baha'u'llah. So that he was, the Bab was also in Persia. In 1844, 
um, I find this interesting. At that time in the world, there were Christians here in the United States who combed through the Bible and thought, you know, Jesus is going, they, they looked at the prophecy and they think Jesus is going to return about 1840, 1860, thereabouts. And they, uh, the Millerites even predicted that uh, Jesus was going to return on Mount Carmel in, in Israel. So they all gathered at the foot of Mount Israel waiting for Jesus to descend from the clouds. Um, the, uh, in Islam, a sect of Shia Islam had con gone through the Quran and estimated that uh, the um, 12th Imam would return in 1843 uh, or 1844. So there was this almost a global expectation of this big return. And this is um, when the Baha'i Faith uh, gets started. And the Bab is among those in, in Iran who said, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... <clears throat> The other principle that um, uh, that is important to understand about the Baha'i Faith is uh, what we call progressive revelation. And what Baha'is believe is that there has basically only been one religion from God, that God um, dispensed or sent messengers uh, to mankind at various stages of man's progress so maybe perhaps uh, at I don't Adamic uh, Noah uh, Moses uh, Buddha Jesus Zoroaster Krishna I'm getting them out of order so forgive me okay. uh, and, Mo and Mohammed and uh, that that each each step along the way was not was not to say no I'm I'm better than you it was like grade school or the next chapter in the same book. Baha'is believe that the thematically, the, the central core of all these religions, the spiritualists, such as the golden rule, that those inner teachings of these major religion, religions don't differ. The social teachings such as dietary laws and the Sabbath and marriage laws, those things always changed uh, throughout the ages. But to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that law runs through all the world's major religions. There are, There is no conflict when you get down to the basics of the world religions. And they all prophesied that there was... More. So instead of love thy neighbor, though, we have now graduated to where mankind is now. Mankind is now in a global society. We are now ready for the next stage in our evolution. And those are the teachings that Baha'u'llah brings that will now take us from villages to states to nations to now a unified world. Wow. So everyone is our neighbor now. And What's that? Everyone is our neighbor. I mean, they, yeah. this, to take it like, uh, like the, you know, love thy neighbor. And now, you know, our neighborhood is the whole yeah. world. Right? So Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Our neighborhood is the world. And, and that's the way the, the Baha'is believe we are going. That's the next stage in our evolution is um, uh, to have, we will evolve spiritually so that we will eventually, not in my lifetime, unfortunately. I don't <laughs> think it's happening that fast. Uh -huh. But that we will evolve to the point where we are, you know, one. You know, I think that this idea, though, is, um, you know, is evolving among the culture of this world. I mean, I, I mm -hmm. you know, this is this is spoken of now. I think, you know, I've heard it in, in mentioned in other ways. Um, and um, 
and it's it is it is prophetic to think that you know in the mid 1800s uh, that you would have you know th- this message coming out ab- about world unity, and then a hundred years later, a hundred and fifty years later, we have the the means, the technology, the culture that has mm-hmm. actually unified the planet. I mean, this wasn't. I don't know that that this would have been you know, seen at that time by anyone. But now we're in this place where we where we literally know that we're sharing the world. I think the pandemic made that very clear. Uh, when mm-hmm. We were all experiencing the same thing at the same time. I mean, it was a, it was, a, it was kind of a, you know, a, a bad thing to, to, to bring us all together, but it made us all aware that, that we're in this world together. I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, so, I agree. so you, you also mentioned, you know, the equality of, of uh, men and women, the equality mm-hmm. of all peoples, all races. This is this is a very difficult uh, concept, I think. You know, I mean, I mean, it's simple on the face of it, I think. But in practice, um, yes. how do you, you know, in in the in the Baha'i faith, how do you get into the nitty gritty of of really seeing everyone as being one? Uh, the the Baha'is uh, recognize that the most challenging issue in America is racial equality. That is this country's biggest issue. And I firmly believe if we can resolve that, <laughs> you know, we will be well on our way. Um, I, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Uh, the Baha'i, we discuss it among ourselves all the time. Right. A- African American Baha'is, uh, Hispanic Baha'is, non Hispanic Baha'is, we discuss it all the time. Um, but it's, gosh, you just believe that people are one. I don't know. It's just a belief. It's not, I don't. I don't have, I don't have an issue with it, and so uh, I and I don't think Baha'is have an issue with it. So you aren't a Baha'i if you do have an issue with it. So it's, uh, you know, um, it's when Baha'is. Uh, that's another thing. Baha'is don't have a clergy either. You know, I'm not. A, I'm not anyone special in the Baha'i faith. I'm just a Baha'i. Um, but. Uh, when we do have elections, we have local spiritual assemblies, and there are bodies of nine that we elect, and it's a secret ballot. Nobody, uh, nobody uh, nominates anybody. We just write down nine people that we think from our community would be good on the uh, administrative body, and uh, that's also replicated nationally. There's 172 national spiritual assemblies that kind of oversee the, all the local spiritual assemblies. But I guess my point is, going back to the race thing, is that when you look at the demographics of the people that end up on those institutions, it just, it's organic. It just naturally evolves that it is a, a swath of the wide swath of equal people in the community and in the nation. It just is. Well, well see, that, I mean, that is wonderful. If you're, if you're coming from a belief that everyone is is equal and everyone is one everyone is is actually a unified um uh, what would you call this i mean uh, are we a race or you know humankind or whatever yeah that um if you come from that place i think that you know it's easier to 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 be accepting 
Yeah. I mean, if you have that background to come into it. I, and yeah. I just, but I just want to, you know, just offer from a personal experience. And that is that uh, I was raised, um, you know, I, I grew up in, I was a young boy in the early 60s in Virginia. And uh, the racial segregation was pretty much like the law there. And, mm. and, and I was taught not to associate with, uh, with black people. Um, and so, but uh, they desegregated our schools and I, and I got to know, you know, people of different races and I'm, and I'm comfortable, um, you know, associating with people of different races through experience, you know, after that. But I, I have found that as I've grown as a person throughout my life, that I'm getting more and more aware of like impulsive reactions that I have Mm -hmm. to certain circumstances. And I found that in spite of all my, 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 my spiritual fortitude or my intellectual, you know, readjustment, that I still have deep triggers that, get it, that, that happen when I'm in situations with people that I was taught to be afraid of. And so I'm just saying that I'm still dealing with that, and I'm understanding that it's a deep thing. So um, and it, it's a, a spiritual background really helps with that. And yeah. and I think that there's probably a lot of people who are experiencing it. And the reason I'm going through all this is that if we're going to have a world of, of unity that many of us, I think, really are, you know, need to reach in and find these little triggers that, that we're carrying unconsciously and work those out as well. Is that, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, it does. And we have, um, you know, here in Sacramento, we have uh, race dialogue meetings, uh, Baha'is and non-Baha'is, and we talk about it and the institutionalization of racism. And and it really opened my eyes. I mean, I thought, well, you know, I was one of those who walked around going, well, I don't have a problem. I'm not prejudiced. And then uh, there's this, the unspoken bias, you know, and it's like that was once it was pointed out to me and I went, oh, <laughs> so it's, it is. It is deep, and it does have to be rooted. I was luckier that um, I was actually brought up, um, you know, believing that all people were one. So I didn't have my grandparents uh, felt that, you know, they grew up in World War II, and, and my grandfather didn't want me to talk to black people, and I thought that was a generational thing. Oh, mm-hmm. when they die, the world will be a better place. <laughs> I don't mean to say that, but you know, that generation. <laughs> yes, right. And I gone. was surprised when it still was a problem. And I thought, oh, cause so I'm kind of naive and kind of ignorant about that kind of thing. So I kind of blissfully walk around thinking, oh, oh, the world is one. But it, uh, but work has to be done there. And it's probably, it is the biggest work. And, and that you're, but your awareness of it and our awareness of it, you know, as, as non-African American and as, as, Caucasian people, our awareness of it is the first step, I think, to um, resolving those differences. Yes, yes. Um, so you mentioned you, you don't have a clergy or a priesthood. Uh, so mm-hmm. does that mean that uh, in, in the Baha'i faith, you, you don't recognize an intermediary between yourself and God? How does, how does your relationship with God look like? Um, the when Baha'i prayer is a, an important part of of a Baha'i's daily life, uh, there are there's at least one prayer that is obligatory every day, and God is described as an unknowable essence. I can't I can't describe God. We don't know what God is. Uh, not uh, we we. It's just 
big, 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 big fast. <laughs> the creator of, of the universe, and maybe it's plural now, maybe it's universes, all the way down to sub, sub, subatomic particles. Um, uh, so my connection, we're told the closest we can come to understanding God is understanding the manifestation of God, who is that messenger of God. So for Baha'is, the latest messenger in this long line of messengers was Baha'u'llah. So um, uh, there are no, I want to say there's only like one or two photos of Baha'u'llah. So I don't, I have not seen a photo of Baha'u'llah, but we are, uh, we face, um, uh, his uh, resting place, um, which is in Israel. Mm -hmm. And we face that kind of, Muslims face Mecca, and we face, our Qibla is in is, um, Akka, Israel. Mm -hmm. But, um, so the closest that we can understand God, if we have to visualize someone is, would be Baha'u'llah. But I can't visualize Baha'u'llah because I've not seen him. So I kind of know that he was a human being and that's the closest I'm going to come. So yeah, this, the Baha'is read uh, Baha'u'llah was in prison for 40 years because of his teachings. He mm. wasn't running around, um, you know, texting people. He was in prison and writing volumes and volumes and volumes of writings. So Baha'is pray every day. Baha'is read the Baha'i writings every day from both Baha'u'llah and his appointed successor, Abdu'l-Baha, was Abdul, is servant, servant of the glory, Abdu'l-Baha mm -hmm. is Arabic. Mm -hmm. And we read his writings as well every day. And then Baha'is gather and uh, we all talk. And what one Baha'i says, nobody argues. Consultation is another um, huge principle in the Baha'i faith. And that is, is that we don't argue with one another. Everyone has an idea, throws out an idea. The idea is out in the open and we verbally chew on it. I think this and I think that. And some people have bring in this and bring in that. And we discuss things and we grow from each other and talking with each other and our own meditative process on our own writings and or on the writings of Baha'u'llah, and we just do the best we can. Nobody is perfect. Um, we're on an eternal journey um, uh, towards God that will be eternal, okay. trying to become spiritual, more spiritual beings. Okay, well, that, yeah, I want to follow up on that. I know. Point. Yeah, now that's that's a really good one right there. That's that's a, because now you're. I think we're talking about. Uh, I'm thinking of an afterlife, and yes. you're talking about progressive involvement of, yes. of of a being. So, what is what is your um, teaching? Your vision of, of 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 who you are and what's ahead for you, or, or me, the, all of us. Uh, the the Baha'is believe that our 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 whole purpose, that we are spiritual beings, and I know you've, you'll hear this and I've heard it before, but that we are spiritual beings in a human body. We aren't human bodies with spiritual beings. We are in them somewhere or associated with them somewhere. We are spiritual beings temporarily housed in a material body. And our purpose here on in this life is twofold. Number one is to grow spiritually. And when I say grow spiritually, our spiritual arms and legs, if you will, for the next world, which would be to learn 
truthfulness and to learn integrity and to learn honesty and to learn generosity and kindness and love. And those are the things that we are in this physical world where patience, that's a hard one, right? Um, uh, Dear God, I want patience and I want it right now. (laughs) Uh, I know you could do it. (laughs) Yeah. But we liken it to the child in the womb. When when an infant is in the womb, his purpose is to grow arms and limbs. And if you were to tell that infant, well, you just wait. When you're born, you're gonna have you're gonna have legs and you can run and you can have you can taste food and you'll be able to see things, the sunsets, and you know, and the infant is going, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just in here floating around. I don't know what these appendages are, and I could care less. Well, they're very important, you know, you're gonna you're gonna need them. And so we're born into this world, and now those appendages that we're supposed to grow are those spiritual attributes and those spiritual attributes are what we will take into the the next world um and we believe that that spiritual world is an eternal progressive progressive it's it's spiritual from then on out and uh and i i haven't been there yet so i don't know exactly but um there is no uh hell, Baha'is don't believe in hell, uh, the closest description is, is your closeness to God or your distance from God. So, you know, if your beloved, you know, if, if God was your beloved, if you were close to your beloved, you would be in heaven. And if you were torn away and kept apart from your beloved, you would be in, it would feel like hell. And so it's more of a feeling. And so when you get to the next world, that's my understanding of 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 heaven or hell it's how close or how far you are and and everyone is doing the best they can you know everyone is doing the best they can i just i believe well, can i hey can i try something on here with uh you know com- comparing my thoughts about what you were just saying um, okay and that is that we're, you're we're, we're talking about you know growing these spiritual appendages uh you know uh, Truthfulness, uh, let's say, it's love, patience, all these things, and then, and then, heaven is is closer to God, and hell would be away from God. So, is our nature? And this is, see, I'm just trying to kind of grasp this in a way that makes sense. Our true nature, let's say, is of God, and that as we reach for God, it grows, and yeah. if we don't reach for God, it doesn't grow. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? Does that make that's, sense? That's fair. Um, the best way that that my understanding is is that God created, you know, everything in the world, and uh, there there's rocks, and rocks really are not aware of the existence of animals, so they can't comprehend what it is to be an animal or a plant. I should go plant, and then plants aren't real can't really comprehend what it is to be an animal, and animals. Uh, don't have the same faculties that man has. Man has all the potentialities latent in us. We are God's creation. And my understanding is that our heart, the human heart or the heart, is like is reflective. 
And so that what we do is we have a pure heart. We are reflecting God's attributes so that our inner soul, our inner being is a reflective thing. And we can turn that mirror, that reflective mirror, either towards God or we can turn it down towards materialism. And so um, in that sense, we are part of God is that we reflect God. That's what our natural being wants to do. And purifying that mirror is kind of what we um, should be doing. Exactly. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, but, and it also comes uh, around to the question of, of uh, free will choice. So that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you talked about the, you know, the rocks. I think you left out the plants. I'm not sure. And then we went to, <laughs> we went to animals. Um, but um, I'm not sure where in the evolution free will choice uh, begins to emerge. But it seems like with humans, I mean, I recognize, I believe, I believe I, you know, that I have free will choice. I know that, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's like Freudian psychology and that sort of thing. You know, they, they sort of like, you know pushed all that out the window that, you know, no, no, everything is just like cause and effect. And, you know, if you do this, then that happens. But I think that if you, you know, to get to the truth of things, I have to, you know, understand that, you know, all, all of the assessments that we make involve choices and who, mm-hmm. who are making these choices and how are these choices getting made and the, and the, and the, the reason for making choices. Now that, that is, that is a gift. That is an awareness that we as beings have um, that's, that's, that's unique and allows us to choose a spiritual life. Now, mm-hmm. this, in, this in, endowment that we have, okay, right, so why am I going into all this? So the, the part of creation, so now, okay, I want to back up here. Where is the Baha'i faith in regard to uh, modern science? I mean, how? Oh, yes. Okay. It's one of the principles of the Baha'i faith is that science and religion agree that it's two sides of the same coin. Science tends to explain the physical world and uh, religion tends to explain the spiritual world, but they're reflections of one another and God created both. And if there is disagreement, one of them is wrong. Uh, religion can tend to become a superstition if, if, and, and science could be right or science could be wrong and, uh, and religion is the guiding impulse. Um, I know, and I'm no expert in quantum physics by any stretch of the imagination. That's like way bigger than my brain can understand. But whenever I do listen to a podcast or something trying to describe quantum physics and subatomic particles and, you know, the omnipresence of these subatomic particles, and now we're talking science, and I'm not going, are we talking science or religion? It sounds like we're talking about we're talking about omnipresence and particles and 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 this kind of thing. And I thought I don't see a conflict between science and and religion, and there isn't one. Now, and I, I I agree with you. I mean, truth is truth, right? If we right. So, something in this is has the ability to if to be honest and say like, okay, that is real. I know yes. that I know that that is real, and and I think that you know. Depending on how we're wired, I think sometimes if we get too attached to something that we've, you know, decided is real, and then we learn something that requires adjusting that, some of us have a hard time with it. Um, 
but the the reason I you know brought this up to begin with is um, you know talking about the progression of 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 everything. So so does that mean that the Baha'is accept uh, that that evolution is real? Um, is that yes. fair to ask? Yes. Although the only the only thing is is that Baha'is do not believe that mankind evolved that we were once an ape. We may have looked like an ape, mm-hmm. you know, but that that uh, uh, that one was an ape, but this one was destined to be human. I mean, this one always had had the soul. This amoeba <laughs> was 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 the human amoeba, and that amoeba was going to be nothing more than an amoeba. So, but yes, Baha'is do uh, accept. Uh, you know the creation of the universe and science and uh, and evolution and the thing and I only recently figured this out and this goes back to my point is that I always thought okay well we're done we've evolved here we are we're done and we aren't we are we've evolved physically and this is at the point where mankind now begins his or begins. I guess we've started already, but continues our spiritual evolution because, as I said, we are spiritual beings. And I said there were two reasons. I think I mentioned there are two reasons uh, for our purpose. Our purpose is to um, grow spiritually. Our second purpose is an ever-advancing civilization. And this, uh, as Baha'is, we believe that civilization is advancing towards this global oneness. And our you know, for whatever reason, each one of us is here to kind of help that advancement move along a little inch forward. Wow. I mean, this is this is exciting to me. You know, I, I haven't sat down with someone uh, of, of the Baha'i faith and, you know, talked in detail about what uh, what your your beliefs are. And uh, this is exciting to me because because uh, uh, I, I do I do have faith in the 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 goodness of creation, let's say, and uh, and I think we get a lot of focus these days on um, on all the conflict and the trouble in the world because because apparently you know it gets people's attention. Um, yes, and that's you know it's it's easy to get people's attention when there's trouble. Um, it but you know I've read many things that look at statistics that say really actually factually that. We're in a, the most peaceful state that humankind has ever been in, as far as we know. With the- I've read that also, yes. And, uh, of course, I'm in the news business, and we make a business out of making sure everybody knows how awful things are. <laughs> but I've heard those same statistics, that there's less people less people dying today than there were in the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, and that also, too, and, and, in, and in my own anecdotal experience, you know, I I've, I've, I've thought about how you know, an issue like uh, slavery— uh, then you, you don't have to go back that far because you know when I was growing up in Virginia, like I said before, I mean, I my great great grandmother was still alive, and she told me stories of growing up after the Civil War. She grew up during the so I say this because this isn't that far behind us, and yet now it's universally accepted. I mean, I don't think there's a country in the world where it's actually legal to own another person. So, so to me, this is huge progress that people have made um, morally and, and legally and this sort of thing. And, it's, uh, and, and that you have people who are at least making the, um, the argument 
that we shouldn't be having so many wars and conflicts. That mm-hmm. that it's not a good thing. That it is mm-hmm. that it's you know not productive. So you, you have people that are you know at least looking at these concepts. To me, this is this is progress, um, mm-hmm. and and looking in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so now, okay. So tell me some more about the the work that the Baha'i. Now, would, would you call? I mean, are you a Baha'i religion, a organization, association, or uh, a religion? Religion. It's the Baha'i faith. Yeah, the, the Baha'i, Baha'i faith, faith is a world is is a world religion. So, uh, an independent world religion. It's it, not a branch of something else. You're your own thing, mm-hmm. and, are, are, and so what kind of what kind of work is being done you know, within the Baha'i faith towards? Uh, this unification, what kind of you know programs or outreach or these kind of things can you describe? Yeah, the Baha'i community is uh, evolving. We're evolving as well. Um, like I said, uh, structurally, we don't have clergy, but we do have uh, local spiritual assemblies of nine people that we elect, um, like no proselyte not proselytizing, what am I making? politicizing, what's the word I want, oh, but no, uh, uh, and that's locally, nationally, and we have an international, a universal house of justice that is elected every five years in the same way, mm-hmm. and just by the matter of people writing down the nine best names. Locally, um, Baha'is uh, are involved in uh, devotions, um, uh, you don't have to be a Baha'i to come to uh, a Baha'i's house and share prayers and, and read writings and read from other faiths or from whatever faiths, just to be devotional in nature. Most Baha'is in most communities, except for the large, larger communities like Los Angeles and you know New York and some at San Francisco, they have big community centers. And, in Sacramento, where I am, we're still meeting in people's homes, and we're able to do that. And we we have devotional meetings. We also have children's classes. Again, they aren't just for Baha'is. They're children. They're classes for all children in the neighborhood. And those children's classes are um, simple things like this is truthfulness. You know, it's really basic, and we're teaching those. Baha'i principles. Uh, we have youth classes where we galvanize youth who have, who have all this energy uh, and to do public service. Um, public, and so, uh, again, youth are encouraged to get their non-Baha'i, or I shouldn't say, but people who aren't Baha'is to participate in youth activities. Um, and um, I think those are, we believe, the elements of what will become an organic foundation, you know, to not only Baha'is, but to incorporate our neighborhoods and the people around us, this organic foundation, and out of this this meeting of people to come up with ideas and move, progress and move forward with, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, you it, know. but you feel like it's moving forward. That's the thing. It's, there's something moving yes. forward. There's something growing it is. that feels... It is. Like, that, it's like Baha'is are meeting with like-minded people. And, you know, Baha'is don't have all the answers. Um, uh, like-minded people, uh, I learn from them, and they learn from me, and I'm learning from you. And, you know, it's uh, we gravitate towards one another, and we're building this uh, global society one little millimeter at a time. Wow. So 
Can you tell me, Deborah, about yourself? How did you come to the Baha'i faith? Um, I, my parents became Baha'is when I was 10. So at that point, I was raised um, as a Baha'i. Another one of the main principles in the Baha'i faith is something we call the independent investigation of truth. And what that means is, is that I'm not a Baha'i because my parents told me that I was a Baha'i. I, at the age of 15, decided that this made sense to me. Uh, and at, there were two reasons that I chose to be a Baha'i. The, the two, my two favorite principles were, is, uh, we already talked about it, but that science and religion agree. I have, I had none, my grandparents were not Baha'is and my grandfather was an engineer and he says, you're going to be a scientist. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, I can be a Baha'i because Baha'i agrees with science. So I'm not going to be upsetting grandpa. So I, it just, the Baha'i faith is practical is what I, I liked about it is that it's practical. And um, there were other children that I grew up with who believed, took uh, certain things in the Bible literally. And I thought, that doesn't seem practical to me. So <laughs> that was just a head scratcher to me. Uh -huh. um, the other thing that I liked and still like about the Baha'i faith is you will not see a Baha'i walk around, strut around and say, I'm better than you because I'm a Baha'i and I have all the answers. And if you're not a Baha'i, then you're wrong. You won't. You will not hear a Baha'i say that they're better than someone else. Baha'is all recognize that everyone is on their spiritual path. We aren't better than anyone else. It's not my way or the highway. And that's what I liked about being a Baha'i. I can be a Baha'i and I can accept all people. And that's, and that's why I chose to be a Baha'i. Wow. So I'm imagining that, you know, when you're saying all that, the Baha'i faith is, and, 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 you know, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here in my own mind, a way of being that it's not. Yes. And what I'm what I'm not getting is that it's not something I'm swearing allegiance to, um, but I am devoting myself to a way of being. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that I, you know, I swear to be loyal to whatever and whoever I, I I'm saying that I. I'm going to focus on the, the truth that I that I believe to be real, and follow these principles that were given to me that uh, that feel truthful. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so the guidance part is uh, that's an, that's an, an essential element uh, of, of 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 an organized faith. I mean, I yeah. think that people the go ahead. I was going to say that Abdul Baha, who is Abdul Baha, who is the son of Baha'u'llah, uh, he said, he was asked once what it was to be a Baha'i, and he said, to be a Baha'i simply means to love all the world, to love humanity, to try to serve it, to work for universal peace and universal brotherhood. Wow. That was his answer to what is a Baha'i. And then everything else falls in place. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wow. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? You know, we're we're having a conversation here, but I just want to stop and go. Wow. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Deborah, 
Uh, we're, we're getting close to uh, wrapping up our time here, and I just want to okay. give you a chance to... Alan, it's so cool that you're doing this. I just think that's so wonderful. And and I'm anxious to hear your podcasts. And I'm and according to my theory, I think you're going to find this theme, this central theme that runs through all these mystical and, and religious things. So... Um, I think that I am running across that. And I think that, you know, I think that one thing I'm discovering is a common impulse among mm. people towards towards something that, how let's say, it's the, the unity part, feeling one with something mm-hmm. and, with, with, um, and, and being able to reach out. I think that there's a hunger right now with people. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I f- think we're trying to get in touch with that inner being. Yes. I think our inner being is screaming at us, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like going, oh, oh, I need to listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, Deborah, this has been just a, a perfectly wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with me today. I learned a lot. And, mm. uh, and so I'm going to call it. I'm going to say that this is going to be all for this episode of Audible River. And if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can email us at audibleriverpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.